welcome to another episode of The Dangerous Dames, where we talk about all the dangerous truths that you won't hear on the mainstream media. And I am Courtney Turner. I'm the host of the Courtney Turner Podcast. And with me today is my very dangerous co-host, Dr. Lee Merritt. She is she was once an orthopedic surgeon, and she is now a medical rebel. And today we have a dangerous dude with us, Jason Ian. So, uh, Dr. Lee, how are you doing today? Great, great. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, Jason Ian is uh, from Americans in Action, and uh, I, I've met them. I don't know. I don't remember how I met them. It seems like I've known them forever, but I think you're going to really enjoy this because this is about stepping out of Babylon. The legal system we think we have is not the legal system we have, and uh, this should be an eye-opener for people, I think. Well, I'm excited. Well, Jason, welcome. Hey, Nice to see you, dangerous dames. And uh, uh, I like that. I, I guess I, I look like a dangerous dude. Yeah, well, trust me, I know what you're gonna tell us, and you really are a dangerous dude to the deep state, <laughs> to the to the to the fake reality that we're in. For sure. That is for sure. I love that you guys have that, you ladies. I'm not gonna say you guys. See, we're so conditioned that the mass populace refers to everything in the patriarchal consciousness as guides and and it's really we need to go back to the matriarchal consciousness where it's the goddess energy so dangerous dames is the beginning of that on our planet so <laughs> well, actually, you ladies see, thought, i'm grateful I to be here guys i thought guys was just the the new the new england uh generic for guys and girls that's Did what i thought not, too. you grew up in new york this, okay see, yeah i always <laughs> say you guys <laughs> and i i'm I in new york she was raised in new york i always say guys yeah it's just it's an east coast thing yeah totally uh, in the south they say y'all so sometimes yeah, I that's say right. that. what do you say on the west coast <laughs> in the west coast uh, you guys or yeah you guys but here it's interesting. It's an interesting thing to. We'll, we'll go on this quick tangent, real quick. Yeah. Uh, in the law, there is no definition of the word you, Y O U. When you okay. look up the word you, it's actually going back to England and uh, European roots, Shakespearean times. You is usually referenced as the general, like guys or you all. So in the court system, when they say, are you such and such, mm -hmm. you can simply raise your hand, metaphorically speaking, or literally ask the question, uh, can you please define the word you? On all of your documents that you receive in the mail from Babylonian Empire, meaning credit card documents, summons, all these things, they always say you, 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 but they never define the word you. It's not until somebody accepts the position of the word you that now they have become, there you go, look at that. Uh, it'll talk about it being plural, right? Yeah. Uh, old English, you, um, dative and accusative, it's a plural. It talks about it being plural. And just for your entertainment educational purposes only, we did not plan this slide here. So this is right <laughs> off the cuff. Great. <laughs> so it shows you right here that you is basically non-defined it's as is hey you all so in a court when they say you if the one that's allegedly the defendant responds to the word you they've now through their own volition and admittance contracted with that court to be the definition of the word you 
So you is always operated off of what's called the law of assumption and presumption. And it's not really, it's a law, but it's, um, it's a agreement without actual reality beyond behind it to support it. So the courts and the Babylonian empire, right. Operate off of assumption and presumption. And the example of that is what I was just speaking of is when you're, you, meaning anybody who's watching the show, receives a letter in the mail or a summons, right? Or goes into court and they say, are you Mr. Such and Such or Mrs. Such and Such? That's all Babylonian language. If whoever they're directing that question to responds, they've now contracted to define who that word you really is. Whereas if you go, well, who's you? Can you please specify who you is? That's why in our documents, when we write to Babylon, you say, dear Mr. Attorney Shyster, in parentheses <laughs> after that, you put herein you, your. Because now what you've done, you've defined who the you and the your are. So now the rest of the body of your document is I received your letter on such and such a date and you blah, 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 blah. And now there's no um, misconstruing of who the word you truly is. So through the law of assumption and presumption, the courts in Babylon will assume whoever they're addressing their communication to will submit to the agreement that they are that who they are trying to address it to. And all you have to do is to debunk that. And now you've derailed that assumption and presumption. You could do that administratively and then verbally if you have to. But uh, all that is the same thing as, hey, guys, hey, y'all, <laughs> we'll be speaking to, right? Yeah. So in Babylon, it's very specific. You have to be very, very specific. So for this conversation, when I say you, I'm talking to everybody. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's clear. Well, while you're, can you take a step back now and let's start it. One of the things I love is when you give your explanation of how we got here. I mean, the, the idea of energy and that everything is energy and how it, how it, that manifests as the legal system, because we all just thought this was real until you've convinced me it isn't. Well, that's great. So, um, there's a lot of talk out there that you can see on YouTubes and TikToks. And by the way, I have a TikTok channel called J, the letter J, the letter I, and the letter A-M, J-I-M, 1133. Okay, so you can look yes. that up on TikTok. And I actually do a, a TikTok uh, about exactly what you just asked, about energy and where we came from. So if you want to review it, you can go over there. So... um Energy. So if everything, and this is biblical principles, um, I talk about that in the TikTok too, everything is, was, and always will be. The most modern energy um, uh, science that defines this is thermodynamics. Thermodynamics states that uh, energy cannot be created nor destroyed. Okay. Hey, look at, there it is. <laughs> you guys are on the ball with that. Yeah. So, um, one of the videos in that link, you'll see it in there. It says, uh, you are your own remedy. And it talks about stuff like that. Truth is remedy. This is our website, americansinaction.info. You can contact us there too, um, for deeper discussions and consultations and all sorts of stuff. So energy, um, yeah, that's it right there. Um, that's the dude, the, 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 the dangerous dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and uh, so energy, energy, there's the thermodynamics it is energy cannot be created nor destroyed. You see that in the Bible when Moses in Genesis goes to the burning bush and he says, hey, God, how are you, God? And God says, I'm doing great. And Moses says, hey, God, what is your name? Basically, what should I call you? And that's an interesting question, because if God is, was and always will be, which is similar to thermodynamics, meaning energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It Therefore, it means it is, it was, and always will be. How do you ask God, omnipresent, omnipotent, to give a finite name? If God is infinite, a name, just like you, has to have an assumption and a presumption behind it to solidify it into a third-dimensional reality. So now they have an identification, an ID, right? And now the ID solidifies, and Einstein talks about that matter slows down and becomes form, right? And we're going to get this into the courts as well. Stay with me in all this. So if energy cannot be created nor destroyed, and it goes back to biblical principles where Moses goes, what's your name? And God responds with, I shall, the Hebrew Translation is, I shall be as I shall be, which is another way of saying I am what I am. Another way of saying that is energy cannot be created nor destroyed. So existence is, was, and always will be. So th- this so is Yodhe Vajhe, right? This is what? Yo, it, yogi, vod, yogi, vod, is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, yogi, yeah, that's um, that's Hebrew for right. um, God's quote unquote name. In actual fact, in Judaism, no, for those of you who don't know, translate to I am, uh, that I am, that's how it's been loosely translated, okay, but it's Sorry, been changed. No, they're just fine. I like that you did. It's changed over the years with uh, infiltration and delusion uh, and dilution of the translation, loosely translated. When you go back into the Hebrew translation of uh, that scene in Genesis that I was just speaking of, it translates to I shall be as I shall be, which is then was later on going, I am what I am. Okay, but the premise is still the same. Energy is, was, and always will be. It's the same communication, just verbalized differently with different language. Okay, so the reason why we're bringing that up. So, how does this apply to all of us? How does this apply to the courts? Well, if existence is, was, and always will be, then this is where we talk about a reality being a simulation or a hologram or whatever. But it also talks about you being energy. And it changes form. So we talked about this before. Like if you take a prism, like a, a little pyramid prism, and you take light and you put the light through the prism, it refracts. And it gives the illusion that there are different colors, like uh, in your background there with the purple and all the different colors. But it's light, right? Or even the background that we're seeing with the grid. So answered that I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me. So I am is a high mantra. Very. This is the King James version, which is a later 
version. But if you go back to the Hebrew version, you'll see that it translates to I shall be as I shall be. And shall is also something that we hear in what? The legal system. You shall do this. You shall not do this. The commandments are shall. And when you look at uh, codes, rules, laws, and ordinances, and statutes, they use the word shall. Because in the law, shall, most of the time, means it's irrefutable. It's non-negotiable. It's a must. There have been Supreme Court cases that say shall in context can be also may, which means maybe it will, maybe it won't. But traditionally, it's it's irrefutable. It's non-negotiable. It's a commandment. It's a law. So when he says, I shall be as I shall be, means energy cannot be created nor destroyed. So if all that exists is energy, then that means like that refraction of the light, each of us are prongs of the light, expressing ourselves uniquely as in the image of our creator. Okay? So if we're made in the image, we're basically like our own color from the refracted light, even though it, it appears that there's different lights. That's the illusion. It's one light. And as Christo would teach, Americans in Action founder Christo would teach that, teaches that when you go back through meditation and breathing and return to who you truly are, you become light, right? So we are one light. United we stand. We are one. It's all biblical principles. So now if that's the foundation, then anything that is created with the legal system can only be used from that which already exists, which is energy. Okay. Now energy is neutral. Energy is neutral. The only thing that happens is once there's an intention and a purpose behind the energy, now form, because the physical form comes out of neutrality of energy. Now the form is created. It's like an artist. You have a blank canvas. The canvas is neutral. But the artist says, well, I want to paint something. So before the artist can paint, the artist has a vision or a thought or an idea. And then from that, they manifest that vision or thought or idea into the what? The physical form. Now, they are the creator of that particular manifestation of that form. Now, the language I'm using is form. Well, where else have we heard that? What does the legal system say? I need you to fill out this form. The form that they want you to fill out is something that what? They created out of what? Nothingness. And they manifested it into physical form. Now, assumption and presumption. In the law, there is something that is called, a ma there's a maxim. There you go. Boom. Mm -hmm. Albert Einstein. He came in after, uh, after the thermodynamics, which was uh, Julius von, um, uh, von Mayer. And Julius von Mayer, 1841, Einstein in the 1900s. So he's just repeating what thermodynamics is. So when it slows, when energy slows down, it creates physical form. You manifest. I am. When your affirmations, those of you who are familiar with the law of attraction and using manifestation language, I am healthy. I shall be what I shall be. So you get to choose for your own free will what you want to be from the existence of energy. How about choosing? There he is. 
How about choosing um, I am healthy? There it is, thermodynamics, namely that energy can be neither created nor destroyed, right? So I am what I am means you fill in the blank. I am healthy. And then your physical form will become healthy after practicing the law, right? Now, having said all that, okay, if the legal system is aware of this, because anything that they have to create has to come out of energy, there's a maxim of law that says that which creates controls. That which creates controls. So like the artists, if they create a painting, they control that painting. Those people that like that painting will go buy that painting in a transaction and they will submit through contractual agreement with the artist that I like that form, that painting that you created, and now I subject myself to that. Thank you so much. And they put it on their wall and they honor the artist. Well, how about a legal document, a form? We need you to fill out the form that we created out of nothingness. And if you sign that form, guess what you just did? You contracted to that agreement of that painting called that document or that form that they created. And now you've subjected yourself with your own voluntary consent to agree to that reality on that form. Therefore, if they say you are you, Mr. Such and Such, they just created a reality. And if that person says, yeah, I'm Mr. Such and Such, they've just agreed in the physical form to create that reality in the court. Therefore, it's an illusion. Therefore, it's operating off of the law of assumption. Therefore, how do you exit Babylon? Well, what we teach here at Americans in Action is you must must is synonymous in the law with shall. It's irrefutable. It's irre- undebatable. You must what? Know who you are. Now, if the legal system creates forms, they created a birth certificate. They created a social security. They created all these different things. And if you, you meaning anybody who's watching this, agree that you're that all caps name on that piece of paper of which they created in the physical form, They can adjudicate the pieces of paper, but they want to hold that man or woman's body as the surety for the piece of paper. And they want the man or woman to think that they're that piece of paper that they created. What is it? It's a shadow image. Where did we see that? We see that in the Bible where it says you are made in the image of your creator. You are made in the image of your creator. So they created, meaning the legal system created a fictitious entity called, there you go, natural versus artificial. Legal equals man law. Well, that's not a hundred versus lawful equals God's law. Okay, true. Uh, Man is a living, breathing man or woman, right? Which is a byproduct of God. Legal is the legal fiction, which is the pieces of paper. They want you to think that you're that legal fiction, right? So they can adjudicate you in court and have your signature agree with them to move the matter forward okay it is a crucial to define i'm reading this live right here as this is to define the difference between legal and lawful that's true the genetic constitution the generic constitution uh, refers genuine law 
That's true. The present civil authorities and their courts use the word illegal. That is also true. Is there a difference in the meaning? Yes. The following is quoted from a dictionary of the law. 1893, lawful is in accordance with the law, meaning it's natural laws, it's God law. Lawful properly uh, implies a thing con- conformable to or enjoyed by law. Well, you can't use law to define law, but we'll just let it go. Legal, a thing in the form of after the matter of law, abiding by law. Uh, not 100% agree with that, but I can undo a writ or warrant issuing from any court, and that's not 100% accurate either. Legal is something that the courts work with. So yes, a written a warrant comes from a court. That's accurate. And it's in the legal process. That's also accurate. But it's not lawful. Because lawful is God's law, natural law. Okay? Common law constitutionally compliant law, which is for living, breathing men and women. Where do we find living, breathing men and women? We find that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, where God breathed the breath of life into the nostrils of what? Man. And man became living. Okay? The legal system did what? They took the living, created in the image of the living, a shadow world called the straw man, or the all caps name, which is dead. They're a corpseration. And they can only use corpses to adjudicate. But a corpse can't show up in court and speak. So they need a representative something to represent the corpseration, meaning the social security number. Therefore, they bring in the living, breathing man as a representative of that corporation. Now they can adjudicate in their legal fiction, unbeknownst to the one who showed up in the court through their own voluntary consent under the assumption that they are that corpseration. Now the courts can continue to adjudicate and they know it's about energy. That's why they say we need to put a motion in because energy has to move in motion. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust. Genesis chapter two, verse seven. That's it. Dust of the ground. Now hold this up there for a minute and I'll break it down a little bit further. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became what? A living. That's not right. It's not supposed to be a living person. See, they changed it. It's a living soul. And when you look at the Hebrew, the Hebrew, it says neshama or nephesh. It means soul or air or oxygen. Now in this pusik, it's called a pusik. For those of you who don't know, I used to, I was studying to become an Orthodox rabbi in Israel for about three to four years. So this is kind of why I know a lot of this stuff. Um, and then I had some spiritual awakenings and so on and so forth. And now I've been called to do this stuff. So it's kind of fun. Okay. Um, the Lord God formed man of the dust. I mean, there you go. That's a good one. Uh, the Lord God formed man out of the dust. Now there is jurisdictions. What's a jurisdiction? Juris is law right? Diction is what? Language, word, speech. It's always about right language. Now, language has been desecrated over the centuries, right? English is the most dense, but they attorneys, by definition, a turn. They turn things around, language, right? So they'll manipulate language to facilitate their agenda, which is to be in a corpseration their legal fictitious world, which is illusionary unless somebody agrees to it. 
Now, if you bring that uh, chapter 2, verse 7 up, you'll see that there's three jurisdictions, okay? There's the land jurisdiction, the air jurisdiction, right, and the water jurisdiction. The water jurisdiction is admiralty law, which is the um, corporations, it's the legal fiction. The air jurisdiction is the highest jurisdiction, which is God's law, natural law, which we've kind of covered here a little bit, which is synonymous to what? The breath. Okay. The water jurisdiction and the land jurisdiction. Land jurisdiction is man on the land, constitutionally compliant land. This whole verse has all three jurisdictions in there, which means that you as a living, breathing man or woman are all three jurisdictions, which means you, when you know who you are, are the law. That means because the law is found in what? Your heart and your soul because you are connected to your creator because you are what? You're made in the image of your creator. The legal system used that same concept and created the legal fiction so they could control it because we already said that which creates controls. So they need to control something so they control the legal fiction. And if somebody assumes and presumes to be in that legal fiction, guess what? They have control over that person person is defined as a corporation right that's why that other verse wasn't right but when you look at verse seven here and god formed man from the dust well there's the land jurisdiction the dust which is the ground and breathed breathed is life which is oxygen into the nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul soul is essence is spirit how where's the water jurisdiction jay well, isn't the body made up of 75% water and blood? <laughs> so when you go into the court and you say, and this is all for your education, entertainment purposes only, do your own education. I'm just that dangerous dude, okay, here to help you look at stuff. But it's all right there in front of you when you decode it. Why do I say decode? Well, they use codes too. They even say it right out front. Rules, codes ordinances it's codified in title codes the law that they use is always codified because they're using codification and you have to decodify it right so that you can stand upon your lee merits i mean upon your merits right mm-hmm. so with that with that you have to understand and understand and overstand all the different languages so that you know who you are. And when you start realizing and knowing who you are, then you can exit Babylon and live freely. What's all this uh, so-called contracts exist in thousands, including a great variety of deeds, conveyances, bonds, receipts, accounts. Yes, it's all true. And most important of all, actual legal decisions give by the judges in the law courts. See, in this, I'm not sure where this came from, but do you see how they interchangeably, incorrectly use law and legal to right. it's all double talk? Right. So-called contracts is true. Contracts are so-called until they agreed. Babylonian works only on paper. Right. So the Babylonian empire exists on paper. Right. That's why they always want you to do an administrative process. That's why they always want you to sign the paper so that you could move the matter forward. Right. Energy has to move like a currency. Currency is another way of saying money. What currency are you using? 
right? So it's all about energy movement. So the foundation, like you asked, Lee, where does all this come from? Well, I hope your viewers are getting a mind blown here to see where it all comes from. It comes from within you. The way you get exit is it comes from within you. The silver bullet is from within you. And when you realize who you are, now you can start doing your administrative process and your administrative process is on paper using their own system against them, right? For lack of a better term, you can now navigate through Babylon and what they say in Revelations, exit out of her. Right. So when you start looking at where all these things come from and you take a deeper dive backwards, you become a very dangerous dame or a very dangerous dude for freedom. And uh, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, I, I want you. I hope you'll take now do a, do a practical like example of that. I have I mean, you've taught me enough that I've had some practical examples of my own just just announcing to them that. I didn't understand, you know, like I didn't understand when I got summoned to court, for example, for, uh, and I called you about this one time, they, they, for jury duty. Now there was a time I would have gladly served on the jury, except I kind of know what the game is now. And I didn't really want to play, but I mean, I would have, if I, if I thought it would be a good use, but here's the thing. I just honestly asked them how to fill out the force because they sent me this, oh, this postcard with the big red letters that says, you must go on the internet and you must get on this site and do this. Or or what? They don't tell you or what. But anyway, right. big red letters. So I go to the inner. I'm, I'm called to jury duty. I go in there and I say, and it asks me, "Are you all in caps? Are you Lee Deacon's merit?" And I and I said, "No," because as you just pointed out, I'm a living, breathing child of God that lives on the land of the state of Iowa. I don't. I don't. Not, not whatever they said. I'm not a corporation. So that corporate birth certificate's not me. So anyway, I said no. And then it said, "Do you represent?" Lee Deacon's I think that's the word they use, but whatever it is. And I said, yes. But then it said, are you the representative because Lee Deacon's Merritt is dead or disabled? And I hmm. said, huh. So I wrote them a letter and I said, you know, I am who I am. I told them that. I said, you know, and I'm a living. I shall be who I shall be. I am who yeah. I am. I'm, right. I'm a living, breathing child of God. I don't quite understand how to fill this out. Please, you know, advise me because. I, I, you've asked if I am this person and I filled it out and here's a picture, but I can't ask, answer the next question because do you, you know, Lee Deacon's merit as you've presented it here is a corporate entity. It's an entity that's a corporation. And do you, could you, do you consider an entity that's a corporation able to die or be disabled? Good for you. And, that, and, and then I just What did said, they say? Well, I, they didn't say, that's the point. I said, because they know that I know it's this is the game right. we're playing. I think here. I said it's so. If I don't hear on. from you, I don't. If I don't hear from you by October sixth or whatever the date was that I was supposed to show up in court, I will consider this matter closed. And of course, I never heard from them again. Beautiful. Wow. See, <laughs> oh, that's what happened. Can I ask one question before you continue? Because I just think for the audience, yeah. it's relevant. I I know that person means corporation, but where does that come from? I think There's, that's the. Uh, yeah, there's there's a bunch of titles. Uh, uh, just look up person in any in any of the title uh, USC title 15. I'd have to look it up the exact ones, okay. but um, they're all over the place. They say the person is defined as a corporation. A person is defined as a trust. Uh, maybe your producer, if you bring up. Um, it says it on your W-9. 
It says it on your W-9. Every form will define it right there. Just so you know, when you have a a, a contractual agreement, right? Mm-hmm. The three-letter agency, the ABC agency that we all know about and that likes to take your money at the end of the year, um, they'll define their terms on on their their forms. Now we know what their forms are. We know what form is. Einstein, thermodynamics, everybody says that form is manifested into physical. So they just use the same language. Here's our physical form that you need to agree to, to keep that as a reality. And the way you make that a reality is you use your pen and you sign it. Okay. But did you know that any form that is presented to you is an offer? It's an offer. It's an offer for what? For you to contract with them and therefore create a reality of which you now be subjected to and and binded by, right? And now that's how the reality becomes real through your agreement, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing you, to answer your question, um, how do you do it in, in practical terms is, well, when a presentment, meaning an offer to join a reality through a thing called a form or a document is presented to you, you can simply go, well, I don't understand this document. Because in contract law, you can't go into an agreement with reality unless all parties are of sound mind or on, in English, the same page and have an agreement. Well, of course, because the reality can't be, be existing unless everybody agrees to it. So if person A, and person just for a conversation here, if Person A doesn't agree with person B. Guess what? There's no contract. Therefore, there's no reality. They go separate ways. So if a form is presented to you and you don't understand the language on the form, you can simply respond to that presenter and say, hey, before we move forward, I have some questions for you that I need you to answer. For example, who is you? Can you please define the word you? And can you please tell me from where you derive that definition from? Can you please tell me what this word means? Can you please tell me this and this and this? And again, this is just all for your education, entertainment purposes only. I do not recommend you do any of this until you know what you're doing. But we're here to help at americansinaction.info. Okay, (laughs) so having said all that, what you want to do is when you receive a presentment there you go. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and read that at your own leisure. Um, uh, yeah. So when you get a when you get a presentment, you must. I say you must respond to that presentment because there's this thing in the law called tacit agreement. Here's a practical thing. In my own experience. I received a contract years ago, an offer to contract through an officer because he holds office as an agent of the court or the state. He wears a uniform and he drives a company vehicle and it says policy on the side of it. So he's there to enforce policies of the corporation. So he stopped me and uh, they cornered me. And this was years ago before I knew everything that, that I know now and still learning more, but I knew enough. And they said, oh, this guy looks like a dangerous dude. So I said, so they presented a contract to me in the form of a ticket. And I said, well, I don't want to sign that. Please bring forth your supervisor. So the supervisor arrives, this and that. And that. Supervisor turned out to be a very cool dude, by the way. And we ended up talking for like an hour, 
right? He got his people out of there and we ended up talking for like an hour. Anyway, they presented the offer to contract to me and I said, I don't want to sign it. And by the way, there's another TikTok that I talk about how to talk to an officer on the side of the road. So you can check that out at my TikTok um, and uh, learn all about it. But here's the thing. Use discernment. I don't recommend you doing anything uh, that you don't know what you're doing. And always stay in honor and be peaceful and kind because the, a, a big example of what it is to stand is to be in honor and to be loving. If you're creating your reality, then create a loving reality and the, res- the law of attraction will reflect that to you. So when they presented that contract to me and I said I didn't want to sign it, they said, it's okay, you don't need to sign it. And they just left it in my car. Of which later on, through my administrative process, I got the judge recused, and then the thing went away. And then at the same time, we, uh, the people that I was working with, we um, they they sent it to collections, and so I sent a document to the collections agency saying, "Hey, um, yeah, there it is, <laughs> dangerous dude." Um, so the collections came to me. And then I responded to the collections and I said, I have no contract with you. And just a note on that, the collections agency was operating as a third party uh, entity and uh, under an LLC, which when we did our research, it turned out that that LLC was just a subsidiary of the municipality, meaning the city that issued forth the ticket to begin with. So they were just operating under a different thing, trying to still collect the money. So I, I sent it back and said, hey, I don't, I, you know, some language in there. Has to, usually goes three times. And then the second time, it was like three or four months later, they sent it. They tried to contract with me again, and I sent, sent a response back. And then uh, the third time, I started, I went, hmm, something, I need to do something different. So in the workshop on the 18th, I'm going to delve into trust a little bit. Uh, but trust is a trust. Everything is a trust. There's nothing that's not trust. Uh, there you go. The term person or entity. There you go. To USC. Thank you. Good job. 1602. It means any individual, corporation, company, foundation, association. Great. So you read it all right there. Now hold it up there for a moment. When you're reading a document, I don't care if it's a code like this or it's a offer in the mail that you get from. Um, you know, a, an attorney or a credit card company or an insurance company or just a Costco, whatever, any big box store. Um, it's not only what's on the document, but it's also what's not being said. So let's look at this real quick. Person or entity. Now, I highly recommend everybody get a Black's Law Dictionary or Bovier's Dictionary and look up every word because there's multiple meanings of all these words that you see right here. But we won't go into that too deeply, but I do want to point one thing out here. We can read what it says here, right? It's all commerce language, right? It's all financial. It's all money-oriented, right? So it has nothing to do with justice or anything like that. Don't don't fool yourself. This is the judiciary branch of the Constitution. This is about money, okay? But what doesn't it say here? This is the term person or entity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What doesn't it say? It doesn't say man or woman. It doesn't say living, breathing soul. It doesn't say God creator. It doesn't say everything that we read earlier on in this presentation of Genesis chapter two, verse seven, that God breathed into the nostrils of what? Not a person. He breathed it into man. 
He breathed into people. What does our constitution say in the preamble? We the people, not persons, not entities. Right. And that we are endowed by what? Not a two USC, that's exactly right. Not two USC subsection 1602 subsection 14. No, we are endowed by what? Our creator. Just like it says in Genesis. That's why, do you know who you are, is where this whole thing starts of how to exit out of her. The her that you're exiting out of is the illusion, the matrix. This right here, what we're seeing on our screen, is to know that you're not an entity. It's to know that you, the living, breathing man or woman, are not a corporation. Now, you can use the corporation meaning your all caps name or an EIN or a TIN or whatever you want to navigate through that legal fiction world. Just like if you decided to go sit down and play a monopoly, you've consciously through your own consent, just like it says in our declaration of independence that the government, meaning the corporation operates off of the consent of the governed, meaning your own voluntary consent. So you can decide to play in the world of Babylon just don't realize or get caught up that you are that Babylonian world, which is what they want through assumption and presumption to assume you to think that you are that person, right? Wherefore, come out from among them, meaning the corporation, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Okay, so we can unpack that a little bit if we want. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my what? People. They also use persons in King James Bible. Make no mistake, they know what they're doing. That ye be not partakers of her sins and that ye receive not of her plagues. Now, there's some religious dogmatism in there. It's also King James's agenda, but you can decodify it, right? And see when they do use specific words for specific messages and when they're construing it to mean something else, right? So they bring in truth and then they take away truth and then it's up to you to decipher the truth through their codes. But they were very clear in this particular version that when it says come out of her, my people, well, that's of course, because you have to be alive to come out of the, the dead, the corporation, right? And then the sins in trust law, the highest jurisdiction, another practical term is in some of our documents, there's a thing in the law called ambicus. Ambicus. If you look that up, ambicus is be a friend of the court. So that means you're not controversial because the corporations have to operate off of controversy. When you're a friend of the court, you're coming out peacefully and you're standing upon your own knowingness of who you are. Okay, and there's no controversy because the controversy can only exist with the legal fictions. But if you're a living, breathing man or woman, you're saying, hey, I'm here to settle the matter as a representative of that all caps name. Okay, so amicus. Amicus typically relates to the phrase amicus curiae, plurals like Latin, which means friend of the court. Okay. I love this. Your producer's on the money. I mean, I just talk and just bring stuff out. This is great. (laughs) Individual and organization that is not a party to an action. Right. So this is a great 
This is great because this is a very practical application of how to handle the courts. If the courts work on that legal fiction and they're adjudicating the all caps name on that piece of paper and you come in as an amicus of the court with like that definition just said, you're not a party to the matter. You're there to settle it on behalf of the matter. And in trust application, that's exactly what you do. Because we won't get too much into trust here, but if you take the workshop on the 18th of this month, we'll delve into it. Um, but the the framework is in trust. There's different parties, and everything is a trust. Actually, there it is. Everything is a trust operation in the court. They do what's called a constructive trust, and then you have to turn that around into an express trust. And there's a whole bunch of stuff which we'll delve into in that workshop. But that code that you just saw up is trust language as well. It's saying you're coming in as a friend of the court on behalf of the matter to settle the matter, but you're not the party in the matter. Therefore, you're not the surety. Therefore, they can't charge you. Surety is the one who's liable for it, right? But if you're there as the representative, right, that's why they want you to get an attorney so the attorney can represent the quote unquote you. And um, there's another TikTok that I did on there. You find it that talks about when you hire a bar attorney, what happens truly, what really happens is you give your power of attorney away. And now you've contracted with their corporation because all attorneys are part of the Babylonian empire via the bar association. Okay. And when uh, they even have in their own language in corpus juris secundum, and that TikTok shows it, um, that their first loyalty is to the court. Okay. They're that's, officers that's of the court. They're officers of the court. Yeah, that's that, 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 that the, the, the dangerous dude in the black suit right there. <laughs> Looks like <laughs> thuggy. But that's the one if you want to learn about what the attorneys do. So when you hire an attorney, you give your power of attorney away. Now they are representing the entity. And now if they're loyal, there it is, attorney-client privilege, you can look at all that. When you hire an attorney, you've given your power of attorney away to the, the, uh, the one that's representing you. And if he's loyal to the court, there's a conflict of interest, and he's going to adjudicate the matter or push the matter forward so that the one that he's representing will basically be thrown under the bus and be the surety and have to pay something. Oh, but you got a good deal. No, the good deal is it's less of the two evils that were being presented. But when somebody hires an attorney, they no longer can speak on their own. And they've contracted into that legal fiction world simply by hiring an attorney. Now, a little caveat on that. Because everything comes out of existence, okay? Everything comes out of existence. And the intention of existence, remember, energy is neutral. The intention of existence in, in the Torah, I'm just going to take this real quick here. In the Torah, Genesis, the very first word in Hebrew is bereshis, means in the beginning, is how it's loosely translated. It's not the accurate translation, but we'll just for this conversation, in the beginning. So we say, what's before the beginning? Before the beginning is what we talked about earlier today. The idea, the intention, the purpose, the artist is going to create this thing called existence. The artist in this case is God. Let's use that as the name of the artist. And God's intention was for life, to perpetuate life. The mirror image of that 
in the legal systems, their intention is for continuous death, destruction, and struggle. You can see that because they're corpserations. You can see that with the pandemic. You can see that with everything that they're doing. You can see that when they were telling you to put on a mask, that stops the breath of life. It's the complete anti-Christ, right? If Christ defined is natural law, Christ is defined natural, okay? Christ consciousness is natural consciousness. Christo, founder of Americans in Action, brings this out. And you can also look at our other website, spiritawarenessfoundation.com, where we get into the spirituality of it. And Christo does most of that. Um, but Christ consciousness defined is a natural law or natural Okay. Can you just set aside again the, the, the your other Spirit, website? SpiritAwarenessFoundation.com. Okay. There it is. SpiritAwarenessFoundation.com. You can go there and now we can delve into the, the yogi and I change my suit and I wear, you know, hat clothes. <laughs> okay. So, but yeah, you can check us out over there. Um, and then uh, with that, if natural law is the law of love and God consciousness, then the legal system is that of the death, is the opposite. It's the shadow world. So if the law of natural life is superior, then the intention for God's creation was for further life, further life, further life. Okay? So when you arrive at further life, now you're in the superior jurisdiction. Because life always overrides the death, which is why in the courts they say, don't bring in God, don't bring in life, don't bring in any of that. That's why they need to summons people in there to do a seance or a ritual or a death ritual, which is why in that document that you received, the lead, they said, are you representing the dead, the probate? Right. Right. Whereas you're like, no, this is life. So as you, and then they go away. Okay. Because if they, that's why in Matthew, I believe it's Matthew, but they say the truth shall set you free. Right. Because the truth is superior to that of the legal fiction. And fiction, by definition, is what? False. It's not true. Mm -hmm. So we are in alignment to the truth. And when you're in alignment with the truth, when you come from that place of truth, now your physical form, meaning your body, healthy, strong, and vibrant, your document, which is a form, when you have that intention behind it and you bring in that life force energy into your documents, now all of a sudden that energy is presented to whoever you're responding to, and that permeates out. Here's another thing that you need to know. Always know this. Never assume, first of all, never assume, <laughs> but never assume that the courts don't know what they're doing. Yeah. That the courts don't know what they're doing because they know exactly what they're doing. Even if they don't, it's better for you to come back and have the, uh, the point of view that they do know what they're doing. Okay, and that makes your documents very meticulous, right? And you very conscious of what you're doing. And so when they, uh, and I have documents that we've done here at Americans Action where they just go away because they'll run away. Just like I was telling you about that ticket, I operated trust 
And then I I wrote to the trustee of the city and I said, okay, uh, I need you to present the rest of my documents to that guy because he's the trustee and he needs to handle everything. After I did that, they never talked to me again. Right. So just like when you responded to your jury trial, you brought in life and you asked questions. See, they say, come into the kingdom of heaven as the child. Child asks questions and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. But and that breaks the shackles of slavery of the mind. Bob Marley talked about it. So it's always great there but we just have to have the ability to hear it here right see it here and then feel it with all of our beingness right and so then we can implement the remedy from that point of view knowing that everything is energy knowing that we're dealing with a illusionary world that only becomes form physical manifestation based upon your agreement that it is. So it becomes very, very interesting and fun that way when you start really when you navigate. I just wanted to ask you a big picture, because this is I just kind of came up thinking this way, that the about the birth certificate and about this this false reality that we're in. So at one time we were slaves. They had chains on people and a few people in the world, the pharaohs, let's say, ruled, and everybody else was a slave. They were physical slaves. They had to be fed and cared for, and that got real messy. But it, but now we're given a birth certificate, and that birth certificate doesn't just have our names and caps. You know, they they put on a piece, they put on some of our blood, and they put a three-dimensional seal on that. And this makes it paper that can be in commerce. It's a it's a commercial paper now that can be bought and sold. Am I right so far? And mm-hmm. so so they, so we are slave. We're debt slaves now because of that piece of paper. Essentially, the way it's being used now. Is it fair to say that when we wake up and we realize that we are not that piece of paper and we separate ourselves from this, that we that is really the that's the big picture of how we get out of Babylon. I mean, it's not just about ending up. I didn't, by the way, I didn't, I did, I've always mispronounced P-O-L-I-C-E on the, on the doors of, of cop cars. I always thought it was police. That's policy. Okay. I got it now. But the, um, so, so no, nowhere, nowhere on their uniforms. And I've said this to cops before. Doesn't and, again, a caveat, there are good cops and there are bad cops and the system. And this is what I was going to tell you just, and I'll get to that. Just, I was going to tell you, uh, um, this is what I was going to tell you before, before I, 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 my mind went other places. That in the system, because it comes from life, even though it was infiltrated, the truth seeps out. So depending on who you are and what your journey is and what your karma is, all this stuff, there is remedy within their system. Even if you had an attorney, right? There is, quote unquote, good that can come out of it. The ideal position is and just like there's good cops and there's good people in the three-letter agencies and in the corporations because they may not even know what's going on at certain levels. And so the goodness of them comes through and they're, you know, cops can help people and, you know, some attorneys can help people, but the foundation of that legal system is what I'm talking about is the infiltrated and there's corruption within that system. What we're doing now is 
helping to educate people to see where the truth is to guide out of that corruption and navigate through it. Even Jesus, Yeshua ben Yosef, would use their system's language against them while simultaneously bringing in God's law. And now he was invincible. So that's where we're blending the two. So I just wanted to bring that out. Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you on that. Go ahead. You were saying, Lee. Well, I, I think that, I mean, I'm just, I, that's the right, am I right? I mean, that's kind of my big picture vision of this whole thing is that, and a lot of it is trickery. I, I mean, it's amazing to me now that you've got me I'm looking here. at all these forms. Yeah. You know, the W-9 form, I tell you, I, I, I didn't want to sell it. Be, I didn't want to sign it because it makes. Oh sense. yeah, that's a good. I mean, that's this a is good my thing. favorite example because it says on the part one, it says under taxpayer, it says certification. No part two, certification, and it tells you under penalties of perjury, I certified that, and then it tells you four things. So you think you have to sign this form, and there's one I don't want to sign because it says I am a U period S period citizen or other U period S period person defined below. I didn't want to sign that, right? But then you go over. And you find out on page five, you don't have to sign it. It's That's just right. complete obfuscation. And and if That's you're not, this is the idea of not reading the small print. I get it now. But, you know, they, right. they've made it almost impossible. Now, fortunately, this form isn't that long, so you can read the small print. The tax code's the same thing. When they define who has to be a taxpayer, and again, this is not official tax advice. This is for entertainment purposes only. But the but the uh, the you know when you go into the actual code for the IRS, it says you know all persons or all American citizens or all, all U.S. citizens are subject to the Internal Tax Code. However, tax are subject to the Internal Tax Code. I think it says, but then it defines on who who it, who those are, and it's like people that live within the District of Columbia or the states, and then it defines states as if the states for this purpose of this paragraph only and not, not any common use can states is defined as the District of Columbia. And you read that about three times and you say, really? <laughs> Does it really say that it's, it's the so states good. are the District of Columbia? So it's, you have to pay taxes if you live in the District of Columbia or the District of Columbia. That's right. And, this, the, well, I'm, and I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's, that's a perfect example of the assumption, right? The assumption is that everybody assumes that they're a U.S. citizen, right? But they're saying, I mean, again, what they're not saying in that example that you said is, this is the other language that should, if you are a U.S. citizen, then you have to do all these things. If you're not a U.S. citizen, then none of this applies to you. <laughs> and who so, is a U.S. citizen? U.S. citizen. That's what it just says. That's what it'll define. A U.S. citizen will be somebody who's part of the United States Corporation, as defined in, uh, I think it's Title fifteen three thousand two or Title eighteen three thousand two. What the U.S. United States is a corporation, and a U.S. citizen is one who checks the box that they're a U.S. citizen. Right, and therefore, which they ask you to do, and and they have your security, and they ask you to do it to get your passport. I mean, they ask you to do it for everything. They ask yeah. you to well, do it for everything, and they there's even in their own codes they'll say that employers it suggest they are required. See, here's how the language works, <laughs> and you have to unpack it. So the employers will it says in their law it says it is required, which is kind of like a shall. It is required for employers. Now here's the the kicker to suggest. 
employees to file taxes. So if you unpack that, the requirement is just to suggest. Right. So once the employer suggests file taxes to the employee, okay, great. Thanks. I appreciate your suggestion. <laughs> Done. I suggest you look both ways before you cross the street. I suggest you do that. Do you have to? No. But I, I'm required if I'm in their system and have a business license to suggest that you look both ways before you cross the street so that I'm not liable if somebody gets run over. But I can't make you look both ways before the street. Just same thing like I'm required to suggest to bring the horse to the water, but I can't make that horse drink. And just like that document that you have just readily, they disclose it on the same document. If you're a U.S. citizen, then under penalty of perjury, if you check that box, you're agreeing to this. But oh, on the back side of that piece of paper, it says you don't have to fill out this piece of paper. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, the message that I want to convey to everybody who's watching this, okay, when you receive an offer, okay, and that means a credit card offer. That means something from a court. That means something from an attorney. That means something from a three-letter agency. That means somebody who comes over to you in, in the street and says, hey, you do a deep dive, read everything, ask a bunch of questions before you agree to join a form, which is a reality of which you've now locked yourself into. And now you're liable for it based on your own consent. We're working with some people right now and they're trying to get out of the situation because at the time um, they were ignorant. I don't mean that in a condescending way. They just didn't know. And, you know, we've all been ignorant. I'm ignorant about stuff that I don't know about right now, too, because we keep learning more and more. And then the ignorance goes away as we learn. But they got themselves into a bind. And our first questions are, what? did you agree to before you got into this bind? In other words, how'd you get yourself in this bind based on your actions that you did prior? And the actions that you did prior means there's some sort of agreement that you, you did, and now you're trying to get out of the agreement. So let's see how we can navigate through that. And there are ways to do it. But at the same time, if you're locked into a reality in order to exit her, exit that reality, you have to do certain actions, but you have to do it with clean hands. You have to clean that's a maximum of equity. You must go forth with clean hands. That who wants equity must come with equity. In other words, in religious doctrine, it means you must repent. You have to clean up your mess and then you can move forward. And then the courts will have a whole different experience with you. Guys, Babylon will. And you can exit pretty easily when you do things and you dot your I's and you cross your T's and you go, hey, and you do it in honor. When a lot of people hear this, and I tell you, I, I was there, I still do today, you get pissed off. Like, what? And you want to go fight, fight, fight for your right, right, rights, and I'm going to take you this and this and that. I don't recommend that. <laughs> Just experience. <laughs> but you can learn, and it's okay to have that there, because when you realize that so much of what we were taught growing up has been a lie in every department, from the medical field to the law field to, you know, religion, you name it, it's all been lies. But now the truth is coming out because we're returning to the feminine energy, 
the matriarchal, which is why we're on two dangerous names right now. We're moving to a place of greater truth because the truth I like to say is like water. It always comes to the surface. It doesn't, there's no time or space in, in, um, God consciousness in the universe and the truth will always come forth. Right. And, um, with that, everything will be exposed and we just have to ride with that. So trust that process, trust that truth, and then navigate accordingly and be ambicus, be a friend, be in honor. Cause otherwise like in the law of attraction, if you fight, fight, fight for your right, right sides, you're feeding right into the very thing in which you're trying to get out of because they, they thrive off of that. So they know that that's why they try to belligerent, coerce and all these other things because they know that if you can get into conflict, they stay alive. But if you can stay in your center and connected with knowing who you are, connected with the truth, connected with source energy, now all of a sudden you are living freely as a living breathing man woman staying in honor standing in truth and then getting your remedy and then it's just a journey and so that's a big message that i want to convey to people stay peaceful stay loving you know, what happens if you go into court and and you proclaim that you're a child of god now you're no longer this paper that they can adjudicate do they just dismiss i mean how could they function in that situation if they're if they're courts that really just push paper commerce, they're courts of commerce or whatever we call it. Uh, yes. So again, work? I'm going to, I'm going to say, um, this is for your education, entertainment purposes only. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the court process starts administratively. How do you know that? Because before anyone sets foot into their court, they receive a document inviting them to the party remember it's an offer come to the wedding here's your rsvp okay that rsvp is a summons or whatever it is right so if the court process starts with an offer to contract whether it's a ticket whether it's a summons whether it's a third-party debt collector or whatever it is then we say you must must respond to the invitation Okay, just like an RSVP. Sorry, I can't make it. Right. So you can say, sorry, I can't make it administratively. But you use very specific language when you're responding to that invitation called a summons. Okay, that language is step one. Then the communication process starts. Okay, just like in your example where you sent a document back and they went silent and you said, hey, if I don't hear from you and you go silent because we knew they were going to go silent. It's done in that case. Courts are a little bit trickier because when you have somebody who owns a sandbox and they're the king of the hill and you say, I don't want to be in your sandbox anymore, they get pissed off. Okay. And they don't like it when people don't want to play in their sandbox. And they're going to try to do whatever they can to get you back into their sandbox. Then they have people or those that work for their sandbox who may or may not know all of this and are just doing their job and will go and do their job to attempt to drag people back into their sandbox. Okay. Doing your job is not a very good argument as we've seen in Nuremberg. However, 
they stand upon that. And then it's up to you to stand when that's confronted. So you start the court process administratively. Ideally, if you don't have to go into the courtroom and play in the sandbox, that's the ideal. And every situation is different. And there are a lot of different factors that come into it, including but not limited to the spiritual awareness of the person, for lack of a better term, the man or woman who's being involved in the matter. If they don't know what they're doing, then we'll guide them in a certain way to help get the resolution. Because the goal of everything is to go home, is how I like to look, to go home peacefully. That's <laughs> yeah. it. However, you need to jail. <laughs> so, the, right. so there are some people that, based upon where they are on their journey, maybe they have to use an attorney and we'll guide them accordingly. There are some people that they'll go in and they'll stand. To answer your question, how will the court respond? Well, in my personal experience, I've had things disappear, literally, through my administrative process, just disappear. Through others that we've helped doing that process, it just disappears. For others, based upon what's going on with them, energetically, their karma, their journey, we'll do administrative processes and certain things will happen. They'll go into court and it'll end up a whole different ball of wax. So go into the court and we've had people go into court and say, I'm a child of God and the case is dismissed. Then we've had people go into court and say certain language and they railroaded right over and now we have to dig them out differently. Because what's happening if you don't know who you are and you're trying just to take a pill, take two of these and call me in the morning, then it's not going to work out best for you. Because I like to use this as an example. We were all in high school. And there's always that one nerdy kid who knew all the answers to everything. And we're like, dude, really? Like, you know everything? But that same kid is like where we like to sit next to and kind of go like, what did he put on that question? And when the teacher's not looking, maybe I'll put that same answer because that dude gets it right. The reason why I bring that analogy up is because of this. If you're that guy or girl who's wanting to put the same answers down of what the nerd puts on their piece of paper, and then you submit that document to the teacher, meaning the court, and the court looks at it and it's all the right answers. And then the teacher in the high school analogy comes up and says, so Johnny, I really like that you got an A on your test. That was amazing. I know you've never gotten an A in your life, but on this particular test, you got an A on it. That's fabulous. Let's talk about your test. Now Johnny's you know, soiling his pants and going, sure, no problem. So on number five, you said the answer is this. I love that you said that. That's the correct answer. Now explain it to me. And Johnny is SOL. Why? Because he copied a form. Right. He used a template. He didn't know who he was. That's why we don't use templates. That's why we try to draft from the image of who you are as your creator so you can navigate out of her on your own path. If somebody tries to get something off an internet, use a form, use a document, use I'm a child of God, but really has no idea what that means, then they're Johnny in high school and the judge knows exactly what's going on. Because remember, the judges and the courts have been doing this longer than you and I in the tune of hundreds of hundreds of years. 
And that indoctrination has been passed down to everybody who's playing in that courtroom, whether they know it or not. Do you know, and I just found this out, I was blown the F away when I found this out, and I have to get the actual reference on it, but here's what it was. Judges are now being taken to an out out state, to like Arizona or someplace, where they're sitting at a weekend convention, okay? And this is a plot to the people, by the way, we the people, that they go to a convention and they are educated about how to respond to those who are standing. Oh, really? I just oh. found this out. They're literally going, okay, if they say this, you say this. If they say this, you say this. It's like part of their judgeship. I just saw this like a week ago, and I have to go find it again and really do a deep dive into it. But it doesn't surprise me. They move the goalpost. One of the things that you always have to remember with the court, the number one rule of the court is that they change the rules. Mm -hmm. Okay? So when you go into court, you have to know who you are. You have to be on your game. And there's a maximum law that says uh, substance over form. And I did a TikTok in that too, someplace in there. But substance over form, which means your essence is greater than the physical form. If you know, if you know who you are, even 75%, 80%, the rest of it will hit a critical mass. And then the miracle can happen. Because remember, it's energy. If you're a little Johnny and you don't know anything and you're trying to use a form and say some language, I'm a child of God, and the judge goes, that's great. Tell me what that means. You are Johnny, right? Well, if you don't know that you're not Johnny and you say, yeah, I'm Johnny, guess what you just did? You just contracted with them and they're going to railroad you and now you're going to jail or whatever. So before you go into court, we'll coach people if they're deciding to go to court. A, we try to handle it administratively. And then we take people down a journey and that's an education point. If somebody calls us and we get these all the time, I'm going to court tomorrow. Okay, thanks. And I'm, and I'm, I have like 15 charges against me and it's 20 years in prison. Help me. Okay. That's, that's great. Um, we'll pray. Okay. <laughs> if you give us like a month, two months and you're in it for the journey. Okay. We start administratively. We educate you with the language. It's not about taking two pills and calling me in the morning. That paradigm is done. The new paradigm on the planet is you are sovereign. You, it's what Jesus said, we'll give you a fish and then we teach you how to fish. At the end of the day, you always have to figure it out on your own. And that's the brutal truth. That's why in Exodus, 80% of the Hebrews stayed back. It's easier to be a slave. And yeah. then those that entered the promised land were like two. Okay. But now we're waking up because they realize that, you know, we don't like what's happening on the planet and that's globally. So now this, like the water is coming up and the truth is setting us free. So, but now we have to stand. So yeah, if you go into a court and you say, I'm a child of God, can it get dismissed? Yes. We've seen it happen. Can it also go sideways? Yeah. We've seen it happen and everything in between because it's not just using the language it's knowing what it is that you're saying and then the language becomes potent and that's 
Yeah, I have two questions on that. Um, firstly, I wanted to just address what you were talking about, how they had a meeting to uh, address those who were standing. It, it's crazy, but it reminds me of, I, I actually interviewed a senator, and he was saying how uh, Braver Angels, which is an offshoot of uh, Masonry, uh, it's a group, and they came in to do a whole seminar on how to use the Hegelian dialectic for psychological uh, warfare purposes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was very concerned, the person I interviewed, but uh, he said that most of his colleagues, it just went right over their heads. They had no idea why this was of any concern at all. Uh, but in terms of moving the goalpost, they, I think it's the same kind of thing. You know, they realize that people are waking up to uh, the dialectical warfare that has been executed on the masses. And uh, they were schooling them on how to use it and refine it in order to, uh, you know, be more fine-tuned and more skilled in uh, uh, really, you know, psyoping the people who are waking up. So that that was very concerning, but I, I thought that was relevant. Oh, wow. um, my other question is, or rather, that was not a question, but I wanted to comment on that. My question, though, is on language because, uh, you know, I, it's pretty obvious to anybody who's investigating that they manipulate through language. Uh, you know, they wield power through this uh, very careful crafting and, uh, you know, manipulation and also uh, changing of uh, language and context and connotation and meaning and uh, really just the usurpation of language. However, th this is happening not just in English speaking. Now, of course, I know we're talking about American uh, law or uh, law extrapolated from British law, but you know, they, this is definitely being weaponized, I would argue, worldwide. This isn't just, you know, happening in the United States of America or even in just English-speaking countries. But it's very interesting when you use things like, I'll just take the word form when you talk about that. Um, and that is so loaded. And there, you know, of course, you know, the image that comes to mind, just I'm, I'm kind of visual, I start to think of uh, Michelangelo and, you know, talking about sculpting David and how, you know, it's all there and they're just chipping away. And that's the artist taking uh, creating form right uh but that's an english word so mm -hmm. how has this uh manipulation of language uh and of course you know they know I, i'm also thinking about sorry there's a lot in my head going on right now but like i'm thinking about just even the translation you talk about the king james version of uh the bible and how that's been translated and of course any translation is going to even without malintent I, I do want to put that you know forward that it's a not always malicious but you still have the bias of the person who is doing the interpretation and even you know sometimes there is nefarious intent behind it but sometimes it's just can be the error of their own bias because we're human and we're fallible and we can only work within the framework of the knowledge and scope of which we possess so I guess, so my question is, how does all of this, it seems like the English language, though, and maybe it's just because I don't speak other languages, that might be my own ignorance, uh, but it does seem like the English language has been so well utilized for this purpose of a, a very carefully manif ma manifestation of what they desire, casting spells, if you will. So, yeah, can you speak to any of that? Yeah, um... <laughs> Yeah, uh, spell casting is what's happening with language. See, creation, existence was created through sound. God spoke. The logos. Yes. Right? Yeah. So it's all sound. There's 432 hertz, and there's hertz. 432 hertz is the love frequency. Mm -hmm. Then there's other derivations of sound 
that have a nefarious intention, right? Which a lot of Hollywood uses in their movies, right? Four forty. Full forty to create hypnosis, get somebody into an alpha state, so on and so forth, and then they put subliminal messages in, and now they're becoming MK Ultra, and so on and so forth, right? So yes, language is imperative, but what's more imperative is not the language as much as the intention behind the language and the frequency in which you're speaking it. That's where you go substance over form. If you don't necessarily know all the legalese and all the language, and nobody does, I don't know all of their legalese. I learn something new all the day, and it's they did that by design because a they're changing it all the time, and b it's to complicate things. Right? The law is very simple. It's very pure. It's very innate. No matter where you go on the planet, when you smile at somebody, it's received as a loving thing. Energetically, you can feel it. Yeah. There are those covert smiles, and then you go, there's something awful about the smile because you can feel it. Because again, everything is energy, right? So the fact that we're using language to communicate in this third dimensional world where the courts exist, where Babylon exists in the third dimensional realm, you can bring in a higher frequency with the language. And you, even in the, their system, it's the context of how the language is being used. So if somebody walks into a court, for example, and says, I'm a person, but doesn't realize what they're saying, but they put it in the context is I'm a person that's a child of God. You can say, well, you just double minded. Right. But you can say, no, my definition of the word person is X, Y and Z. So before even going into any of the communication, you define the words we're using and then you create that agreement. Right. The contractual agreement. That everybody who's having this conversation, this adjudication, this litigation now is an agreement that the word person means X, Y, and Z. Just like in the document that Lee brought out, they define the terms that this means X, Y, and Z. In a mortgage note, a promissory note, okay, they say for the loan in which you, here's that word again received they didn't define the word loan right but then when you flip the page and you go to the back of the promissory note or the end of the stack it says loan means this why because a loan means if you look it up in a dictionary it means an exchange of something for value but a promissory note is not that Promissory note is a promise. It's a unilateral contract that whoever signed it is just agreeing arbitrarily to give X, Y, and Z. So there was no loan exchanged. So they have to define the word differently. They say borrower means this. They say the note is defined based upon this note. <laughs> Remember, you can't use the same word to define the word, right? So when you're using language, it doesn't matter if it's Sanskrit, which is like the oldest language on the planet, or this dog Latin, meaning English language, if you define your terms, okay, and you put the right energy and frequency behind it, okay, words are just form, form language, the physical form from the ethers, right, that have frequency behind it. So if you can, somebody can say, I love you, and you feel icky about it. And then somebody, if you're talking like to your fiance and you guys say you love each other, it's a whole different energy, right? So with that, 
the word will change based on the energy behind it and then the definition that everyone agrees for it to be. So when you're writing your documents, you can define your words. Shakespeare did it all the time. Why? Because he knows. I can create whatever I want. I'm an artist. The courts do it all the time. You see it in your documents. The word loan means this. The word person means a corporation. Well, prior to the word person being corporation, what did it mean? Now you could do an etymology about the word person. You'll see it never meant corporation until they decided to make it be corporation. <laughs> so some people that mortgage yep. is debt pledge. That's right. Because it's morgue and then it's a pledge. Okay. So it's death pledge. At americansinaction.info, you can go buy this thing called the dictionary that could save your life. One of our partners here wrote it, and it's on there. And we break down a lot of the language there um, so that you can decodify their words. Now, on a practical sense, in addition to that, is when you're writing your own documents, you just like they do, because remember, you can do what they're doing. That's our team. That's Christo. He's he's the founder of it. That's Ananda. Um, she's another assistant of counsel, and that's the that's the uh, dangerous dude to the right. And then more of our associates here. And then um, then we've got uh, educational tools. Uh, Project Stay Open was a book that uh, created for during the pandemic to help businesses stay open. That's the dictionary that can save your life. And then we have the affidavit booklet right there. Teach you how to write an affidavit. Um, and using language. There's a thumb drive from one of our workshops that you can get. Um, and then there's some events that we've done later on. Oh, and if you want to get some cool merch, you can get that too. Um, but um, to answer your question further, when you are creating a document, all you have to do is define your terms on that document. And if they don't rebut it, then they agree to your terms. Same thing when we receive a document from them, you can now ask them where they got the definition. Can you please define this? Can you please define that? If you go into a court, again, it starts in the mail administratively. You can respond with, I don't understand. Remember, understand. Let's just look at that word. I'm sure some of you viewers have heard this, but understand is you break it down to standing under. Uh -huh. So when an officer or somebody says, or the judge says, do you understand me? I've said this to an officer before, and I don't recommend you doing this unless <laughs> this is for your education or entertainment purposes only. But I said, I stand under no one. Yeah. So I've also communicated to an officer before. This is way back. I said, hey, can we talk man to man? What did I do in that communication? Right. He agreed. Mm -hmm. He agreed. Let's talk man to man. With that communication right there, that means we left the water jurisdiction and entered into the trust jurisdiction. And now he has no jurisdiction. He has no immunity because now we're talking man to man and it was recorded. Oh, great. So if we're talking man to man and you understand me, that means you stand under me because you just said we're talking man to man and you understand that when you call credit card phone, they said, this is, these are being recorded for your, for, you know, for educational or training purposes. Okay. They're recording the call. You can also ask to record. You're also, you can also tell them we're recording the call. Uh, and I've done the, many people. And you can say certain things like to them. So do you understand what I'm saying? The person, and it is a person, on the other side of the phone is just the peon. And when I say to them, and I don't mean that 
condescendingly well kind of i do but it's it's peon of their corporation they're they're just they're the gatekeeper right so when you say to them do you understand when i'm speaking and they say yes they just and it's recorded they just entered to my jurisdiction <laughs> right and they know it so the training purposes that they're recording is not for us it's for them to listen to people like us who are calling them and then they have those workshops in Arizona to train how to respond, <laughs> how to take us down. So when they say training purposes for customer mm-hmm. service, that's a mouthful. It's how are they going to serve the customer to protect their interest and they're training their employees mm-hmm. most, of the time. On it. On, wow. most of the time. Got it. Most of the time. It's not always, sometimes it's there to have good customer service. Again, there's, but, you know, this dangerous dude likes to go down that other path because anything above that is better, <laughs> right? So if you can handle that that way, that's great. Um, so this whole tangent that I'm going on here is um, to answer your question about language. You're creating the language. You define your terms. You can also present, we've had some people a guy who one of my mentors who's just an old school guy man i mean he lives off the grid and you have to go find him to talk with him but when he was going through his journey he um he uh he was going to a court case and he said uh before we move forward i need you to define all the terms that you're going to use in this and he presented that in a document I need you to define everything, every word that you're going to use. I need that definition before we can proceed. Of course, they didn't give it to him. So he said, okay, well, we're done. That was him. (laughs) I'm not recommending you do that. This guy knows what he's doing, right? But he presented it to him or to them and said, I need you to define all those terms. Well, we've done that with certain court cases here and with documents that we do on on a microcosmic scale. But we, you, you need to have the language defined, and if they don't, well, then there's no contract. Sorry, we can't move forward because I don't understand that language. Therefore, I don't stand under you. Therefore, there's no contract. Therefore, we can't move forward. And they'll get mad. You must. You, 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 you. Well, uh, who's the you in the room? I don't know who the you in the room is that you're speaking of. Now, you're talking when, when you so far the examples we've had have been dealing with government um, coming mm-hmm. after one thing or another. How about in in like you're being sued by somebody else, private individual, private individual, individual, and somebody gets a lawyer and says you you know you your dog uh, damaged my my deck chairs and I'm suing you for you know whatever. So if you're talking about something like that. You can use your uh, transmitting utility, a.k.a. your all caps name, and adjudicate in a private matter like that because it's contractual. But remember, in any case, whether it's private or public, you know, whatever, well, anything in those courts are going to be until you transform those courts into a private matter. Right. And there's ways to do that. Um, They're always going to be public because the courts, just so you know, the courts can wear multiple hats. They can wear the public side hat and they can wear the private side hat. And um, in a small claims court, like what you're talking about, like 
you know, man A wants to sue man B, right? Because their dog did something to their house or whatever. Again, it starts administratively. Okay. Man B is not going to know that he's getting sued by man A because his dog did something to the fence or whatever until he receives a letter in the mail. Okay. That's where you can respond to the letter. Hey, let's make a settlement outside of this. Oh, hey, thank you. You can always call, and again, for education and entertainment purposes only, one can always call a prosecutor and pick up the phone and say, hey, prosecutor, how do you want to settle this outside of court? How much will it cost? Remember, it's not about justice, right? In that mm-hmm. scenario, the dog eats the fence. Okay. All it is is about dollars and cents, how to repair the how to repair the fence. And then there might be some emotional a year or so, I want to be vindictive and I want to take you for all your worth, which is financial language, right? It's not justice, right? Equity has nothing to do with damages. Equity has nothing to do with damages. Okay. Equity is the higher jurisdiction. It has nothing to do with money. Okay. In the case that you're talking about with the neighbor, you can pick up the phone after you get the letter and say, hey, neighbor, let's just handle it. I don't want to go to court. You don't want to go to court, right? Unless you do. But hey, how much is it going to cost? I'll fix the fence. You handle it like in common law. Then if you do have to go into court after you've tried and exhausted what's called exhausted the administrative process, then you can go into court and you can be the you can get an attorney, you can do all that stuff because it's just, you know, corporation versus corporation. Or one can go in on their own and and uh, do a negotiation there and represent their all caps name. Right. I'm here on behalf of the matter. It's not me. You know, it's my all caps name and I'm the authorized representative of that. And I'd like to settle the matter today. That's why they asked you, are you the authorized representative of your all caps name? And you wrote back. It's always great to answer with a question. Okay, I'm happy to answer the question. I just need some clarification. What do you mean? And then they just shut up. So it's the same thing. Any type it goes in court, but with person A and person B, there are a lot easier ways to handle it especially when it's just when it's something like that um but again it's the same principle do it administratively and then once it goes to the courts and it's in the public again it has to do with the all caps name and now you can find a way to set i'm i'm struck listening to all this my own personal experience being a physician you know you can't be in practice forever and not having a have a have a malpractice suit i think if you've done a lot of cases a lot of things go on and it you don't have to be at fault it doesn't matter you get hung you get dragged into these things by virtue of the fact that you have no practice policies that are required by the hospitals for you to to work there so yep. You, you have a $2 million target on your back, at least in the old days. It's probably more now. You have a $2 million target on your back. So you're all, by having that requirement, by the, the hospital, I'm just thinking of the scam here now that I realize what's going on. The hospital requires you to have the malpractice. The malpractice requires that the company has an attorney that is your representative. You don't hire anybody because this is really not, you're not really, you're like a bystander that's being used to transfer money between big corporations and 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 then right. lawyers and it's just like you can't even represent yourself it's really bizarre when you think about it how you how you end up in those things well yeah and on that note again this is how you can also use the system for your benefit you know if um 
take an automobile insurance policy or a homeowner's insurance policy. You can use some of these things for your benefit, even though it's in the corporation, because if something, God forbid, happened, right, you've got an insurance policy to keep you indemnified, right? So it doesn't come out of your pocket, but that's also trust. That's also a trust operation. And I won't delve into that, but um, know that you can, if even if you correct your status and you're traveling as opposed to driving on the open highways, I would still recommend getting some sort of private policy in case something does happen um, because uh, now it doesn't have to come out of pocket, but there are ways to navigate through it that way. Same thing with the insurance, like what you, in your example, you know, they, they have all those things and the reason why they have all the things so that way nobody's liable for anything and it's just paper exchanging with paper. So it could work out to the benefit because if it doesn't hurt the physician or, you know, the doctor in any way personally, well, then that's kind of cool because he can, that's one of the benefits of having a license. But if it's false and it does hurt them, now you've got a whole other thing to navigate. Well, and, and whether you pay or don't pay or they adjudicate with, whether you are against you really has nothing to do whether or not you were at fault. I'm going to just tell you, it, it had, so many other things happened. But, but what we discovered in this period where litigation was out of control on that, is the doctors without malpractice insurance, like in Florida, the surgeons were, were allowed to operate without that mandatory malpractice insurance because it become too expensive. And oh. so they went bare, as they say. They just went with no insurance. And then it was just the only person in the room, for example, and I, I know a case in, that we looked at, a case in, in Florida where the only person in the room that had insurance was the anesthesiologist. And so he got mm. tapped, even though it was all about the surgery. You know, it really had nothing to do with him, but he got tapped for it. So it's, this is a bizarre, yeah, I, I just, I'm not quite sure how, how we detangle that one, but that would be a good one. So like for your, for like, for like, um, like that example you just used for the anesthesiologist, if he has an insurance policy, before he gets an insurance policy, he's offered a, a policy, a contract. Why not modify the contract and say, I will, it, this, this policy will only be, because just so you know, you can modify any contract that you want, whether it's a, whether it's a, a car dealership contract, whether it's uh, a credit card contract, whatever, will they go for it? Who knows? But you have the right to change the policy. You don't have to agree to it. So you can say to them, okay, like for the anesthesiologist, you can be like, okay, so I'm going to take this insurance policy. And I'm going to pay you the premium, whatever it is. However, I need this language to be changed. And the language that I want to be put on there is this. This currency policy will only be tapped when there is a matter that has direct um, uh, direct cause or effect with that specific anesthesiologist. In other words, it was from his hand directly. Yeah. In other words, it's, and, and you put that in the writing. In other words, it can't be tapped unless he was involved with it specifically him and his patient that's it not a general umbrella policy for the hospital no no no, no. Yeah. it's my specific situation that way if my patient something happens on the table whatever and something goes wrong god forbid i have my insurance policy that i pay for every month to handle that patient and here's the documents to show the paper trail for it I mean, it's just simple yeah. and it makes sense. Of course, they always, no, of course, they always blame everything on on him. 
because he put the patient to sleep for the surgeon to do the surgery. That's how it ends up. They still make an excuse, but I get your point. I mean, yeah. we ought to just modify the policies and modify uh, the policies however you want. Modify them, suggest to put it in writing, or then if they do try to go in that scenario, like we're just saying, well, they put it because he put him to sleep. Well, where does it say in the policy that he's liable for this particular matter that happened? Yeah, that's everything is on paper. So if they try to tap the money because of something happened and they're going after the anesthesiologist, well, you just raise your hand and you say, okay, I have a question. No problem. I'm happy to, in honor, pay whatever this is because if something happened, but I'm just curious, can you show me how it's a direct cause of me putting them to sleep and where in the policy it says that? that this particular matter or this particular outcome as a result of whatever happened in this operation is a direct result to the anesthesiologist. And where does it say that? Which line, which verse, which term does it say that? I need you to show that to me right now so that we can handle it. If it's not there, then I guess we don't have a situation to, to handle. Yeah. Those are the questions that they don't like. That's what a dangerous dame does. You know? <laughs> Maybe we should maybe we should sneak into that thing in Phoenix and listen to how they're how they're going to. Uh, I know, I well, know. That's why they only have the that. judges. I would love to do that. I, I'd love uh, to have a judge that would be willing to squeal. Yeah, that would be great. There are that some good judges out there. Who are. We have I, some... I, how mm-hmm. is this uh, applicable to like you know the Supreme Court, for instance? Or, you know, like state judges or, yeah. Well, it's an interesting question. Um, We've seen the Supreme Court do some crazy stuff for the last couple of years because they're Mm -hmm. part of, I I feel there's been some infiltration there. Um, I agree. Let's let's look at it from an ideal point of view based on the Constitution. Okay. With the Supreme Court judiciary branch, the ideal scenario with the Supreme Court is if something is needing to be adjudicated at a lower level and the lower courts can't handle it, it gets pushed up to the Supreme Court in which they make the decision based on constitutionally compliant law. Meaning, if the constitutionally protected right was violated in this particular matter, now we have to rule based upon constitutionally protected rights. And that's mm-hmm. where they have their, their uh, litigations and all that stuff. And they go, oh, well, this and based on this, that's what happens. They're technically only supposed to adjudicate, actually, based on the constitution, the, the constitutionality of the case. That's actually their purview. Right. Yeah. That's 100% right. And it's not necessarily what they do, but that's, that's their job. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And when SCOTUS makes a decision and this sets precedence, even though it's not technically law, you can bring in what's called case law to help adjudicate a case and say the Supreme Court ruled this particular way and it's never been overthrown. What are you doing, judge? You, by your position as a judgeship, have no authority to overrule SCOTUS. You don't. And if you do, please show me in writing where you have that. And they can't. So they're going to have to go a different way. So now the lower courts, the lower courts are often, uh, what is this? In the Supreme Court of the United States, lawyer Bronson, Patricia, oh, the Bronson brothers. Uh, is that what I'm reading? Bronson brothers? Yeah, Bronson, Bronson. That's today. Yeah, Lloyd Bronson. This is today. Yeah. I hereby certify that on the 30th day of May 23, I caused and mailed. There was a lot of things that they um, 
left out when they did that. There's a specific form. It's called a Form 95 that they were supposed to have done, which they didn't do. We won't get into that. But here's the thing. The lower courts, like on the county and the city level, their only job is to keep making money, move money through. So there's no justice in there. And if somebody volunteers to go into that court, then they've contracted with it and their job is to perpetuate currency, profit, revenue. The policy enforcer's job is to get in there, get the people, get the customers, get them the contract, make the money, have to charge, settle the matter, and then make money. Okay. The appeals court is more about where you go, okay, hey, listen, I was done wrong. I'm filing an appeal. Now, here's something. The appeals court needs the lower courts to go sideways. Otherwise, they don't have a job. Right. The lower court feeds the upper court. Yeah. <laughs> by making that. If you don't have anything to appeal, then you can't take it to an appellate court. Yeah. And the appellate courts don't make money. Right. Well, they also don't have any standing if there's nothing to appeal. That's right. So right. they'll appeal and then the lower courts to keep in business will rule in the favor. Oftentimes, if it's a great appeal, will rule in the favor of the one who's making the appeal. And therefore, they overrule, overrule. Yeah. rule over the lower courts. So you just have to play in the system. There you go. That's beautiful. Uh, state Supreme Courts. Yeah. So state trial courts, intermediate appellate courts. Yeah. To su- state Supreme Court. Yeah. Can you send me that slide? That's a cool slide. <laughs> Wherever you found that, that's a great slide. But yeah, that basically... And then there's the little light above the U.S. Supreme Court, meaning God. So... <laughs> Um, but uh yeah so how do you apply it in the courts again it's like you there are people who go through the journey for a year or two going on these court things because they always will push them off they will push them off part of the strategy is too with some people that we work with is we've done our administrative process and then the court pushes it out and then and those six months goes by because they don't the courts don't know what to do with our pushing back. So now the person is living their life. And then when they try to bring it back in, it's wash, rinse, and repeat. Again, the goal is just to go home, live your life, be free. Now, how long is that going to take? You know, who knows? And then until the matters are resolved, and sometimes it's done like that. Sometimes it's like, oh, they're still doing it. It's because it's a stalemate. It's like, if you look at a chessboard, um, if the courts only have one move, it's the pawn backwards and forward. They're just going to keep doing that until they just throw in the towel because there's a maximum of law that says that who leaves the battlefield first loses. And the court doesn't want to do that. So if you can just get them into a position of where they only have one move until you can override that one move, and sometimes that takes time or whatever, and you know people have to be willing to do it, if you can just go home cool, go home. But if you're the Brunson brothers and you've got millions of people donating to you and you can pay the money to keep doing it and you're making money doing it, maybe it's not in your best interest to get a resolution, but it's in the best interest to keep the party going for everybody involved, right? So it always comes back down to that. If you want true justice, and it can happen, and I've seen it happen, you have to start coming in this whole journey with your clean hands and realize that it starts with you, but don't go out there naively and thinking that there's going to be justice because 
you know, the courts are there. Remember, the way to basically be free is don't play the game, <laughs> right? So if you're if you're cruising down the street, the officers, and I say this in that TikTok, the officers need a reason to pull you over. Don't don't give them a reason. Use your signal. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be, you know, if you see a cop, don't, you know, you don't have to be like, hey, you know, you're an officer, you're a policy enforcer and well, like, he's gonna be like, okay, great. Thanks. Let's go tell to the guys in the robes. Right. You know, just be an honor, you know, you stay, stay conscious. If, if you do happen to magnetically pull something in, right. To the law of attraction, you have to start cleaning here. And then your physical form will follow suit. Don't be Johnny who copies the nerd. Study, know what you're doing. And then if you're taking full responsibility, and that's the key to what it is to be sovereign, is you are responsible for your life. And a lot of people stayed in Babylon during the Exodus because it was easier to be a slave. They had food, they had shelter, you know, they had benefits. And they gave up rights for privileges. Nothing wrong with that. Then there's those who left and went to the promised land. Then there's a middle ground, which I kind of like, where you use your discernment. You learn the laws and the systems, and then you apply what you can. You handle certain things, you know, and you do the best you can. And then you get resolution for certain things. You know, sometimes it's just easier to pay Caesar. If it's like 50, 60 bucks and sometimes and, and when your house isn't on the line or your children aren't on the line and sometimes it's fun to not pay Caesar because it's like, oh, I can afford not to do this. I'm going to play with my systems. It's only a hundred bucks and see them make it a discharge or anything, but it comes down to you. It comes down to you, which battle quote unquote you want to choose and then you balance it out, you know, um, and then we're here to help in all those areas. And there's a remedy. You have to know this. There is always, always, always a remedy. There's always a remedy. And it may not look like, you know, putting in a form. It might look like something something totally different. And that's what's exciting about what we do is because we know, and Crystal always brings us in, there's always a remedy because it comes from the heart. And there's always a remedy. How it's going to present itself, that's the excitement. Okay, we'll find it. Okay? And so... Um, I hope that answers your question with the courts. That, that's been this yeah. has been awesome discourse. I mean, so essentially, what we are becoming when we go through this uh, on our journey is we're becoming freed slaves in Babylon. Essentially, mm -hmm. Babylon's still going to exist out there, and like you said, a lot of people would rather just stay enslaved. We see mm -hmm. it every day. We see it in the medical profession. We see it all the time, and mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point that you just made: is that we we can still free ourselves hopefully free others, but we can at least get out ourselves and and recognize the artificiality of the world around us and, and move through mm -hmm. it. And I really, yeah, and I, I, I would add to that, I really love what you said about that middle ground because, you know, I think that sometimes people think so, they, they learn this sort of information and they get so excited and, and angry. I think they want to take action, which is, you know, can be very powerful and empowering and it can be a great, you know, facilitator but sometimes that kind of haste hastiness can leave chaos which 
doesn't necessarily serve any party involved, uh, mm-hmm. except those who are the usurpers of power. Sometimes it can be very beneficial to them. So I, I often talk about, you know, like just to make it concrete, the example of parallel systems. I think they're wonderful. I think people should be focused on building them at, with whatever resources and tools. And sometimes that's a, at the very localist level, you know, the very uh, smallest. It can be starting with themselves, cleaning their room, for instance, you know. Um, but, <laughs> right, just, just to use the, the popularized uh, terminology. But I, I think sometimes people abandon the system they're in. And there does need to be, in my, my opinion, just from my observation, I think it's most powerful when people are building parallel systems, building their own escape route, while also working to fight the system that's currently in place. And I think that's a little of the, that middle ground that you're discussing. You know, navigate, pick the battles that you feel most empowered, most drawn to, most compelled to fight, but also most able, you know, because we all have different resources, different abilities. Uh, so pick the battles that you want to take on, but none of us can take on them all. And so maybe fight within the system where you feel you need to, where you feel most served, and also create your own uh, parallel escape routes simultaneously. And, and, and actually, we don't need to fight if we make them irrelevant. See, I think yeah. that's what this is doing. <laughs> We're going to make these psychopaths irrelevant, mm-hmm. and that's uh, we don't we don't need them. In most, I, I know I'll have to tell you this. This is just in closing, but I, I told you I had I'm kind of I tell people I'm a little disheveled because I got this surgery on my hand recently. Yeah. But for two days I didn't have pain medication because their system didn't work. The electronic right. medical system that they had to put the script in and blah blah blah. I'd go to Walgreens and all oh, that they, they can't get it to work. Blah blah. blah. I call the doctors anyway. It was it was kind of the first two days were a little touchy getting some sleep. But then I realized just before the second night I said wait a minute. And I had my friend pull into a vape store and we bought this big thing uh, in California of, uh, of, uh, of, or no, in Arizona of CBD gummies. And I got a great night's sleep and I realized <laughs> I didn't need their pain medication. We could have made them irrelevant. And that's, what's going to happen in all walks of life. We're going to make these guys irrelevant. So that's, so beautiful. we are really <laughs> coming on. And uh, to, again, to, to recap, you're, you're having, they're going to be Ananda's giving a seminar on, being who you are, your own standing, how to exit the, the corporate entity of you getting out of the corporation. <laughs> and that's on the 17th of this month, right? The 17th and, of this month. Uh, there it is. The 17th of this month right. on, on this, uh, hosting, um, uh, correcting your status masterclass, which is basically the repudiation process of how you can put your documents in. And then uh, you send it off to the secretary of state and you basically declare that you're not this U.S. citizen, and and there's a there's a process that she's she's going to teach in detail with that, but that's specifically about the uh, correcting your status masterclass, and then that's on the 17th, and then the following day is uh, the class that I'll be teaching called Exit uh, Babylon, um, and that'll be a one day class, and then um, I'm going to delve deep into a lot of what we talked about today, but then I'm also going to be bringing out practical application with documents. We're going to dissect documents. Anybody wants to come onto that class they can bring their own documents and then we'll just look at them uh it talks a little bit about what we're going to be doing but i'll bring it forth with a a spiritual foundation much of what we talked about today i'll reiterate it um because that's where you have to you have to start with and then we'll get into the nuts and bolts of it so it should be a fun class um and then you can see us on americansinaction.info and we've got a bunch of stuff out there on youtube just americans in action 
um, on Rumble and YouTube. And then uh, you can also go to uh, JIM TikTok, that right there. And um, I'll be putting more videos up. And um, and uh, there's some education over there. And Ananda Peaceful Living has a, has a YouTube over there. And then, I mean, a, a, a TikTok and then Spirit Awareness Foundation. Samadhi for me. S-A-M, Samadhi, D-H-I, the number four me is a TikTok where Crystal uh, teaches on that. And then Spirit Awareness Foundation here for spiritual consultations and things like that. So um, all over the place. And then email us at Americansinaction at protonmail.com. And uh, if you want to speak with me directly over there, you can put in the subject of the email, you know, from Dangerous Dames or whatever. You know, and uh, yeah, so we're here. We we're here to help, and um, we'll get back to you in the ASAP. And uh, that's what we're doing. So it's been a and, pleasure. And you didn't mention, but you can. It's it's uh, you can buy one of their um, thumb drives, and it has applicate. You know, practical. You know how to do your repudiation, how to do certain things, and I don't think it stands by itself. But it's a good introduction. It really gets people. They can listen to it. They can watch it at their own leisure. Kind of gives you a big overview of what to do. I I use that yeah. to do my repudiation to start. Yeah, yeah. The really thumb good. drive. Thanks for saying yeah, the thumb drive is awesome because it's like what Lee says. Because here, there's a lot of information that we're bringing out. So when you guys watch this, you'll be able to pause, go back, and stuff like that. And the yeah. same thing is with um, with the thumb drive. Really take notes. Really watch at your own leisure. And then if you have questions, you write down the questions, and you can contact us and. Um, We'll answer them, but it's a really good getting you started with an overview of um, of what's really going on. So it's a great, it's a great class. So all right, well, thanks everybody for being here, and thank you very much, Jason Ian from Americans in Action, and um, my dangerous colleague. And we're we'll be here next week, um, and uh, we'll be talking about. I don't remember what we're talking about next week, but we'll 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 be seeing. Uh, every, well, we're seeing every Monday at five o'clock on Rumble, so you can join us live. So thanks so much for being here. Thank you, yeah. ladies. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.